0: This is a Web Canopy Studio production.
1: You're looking at Patrick
2: Sharp out in front, tipped in! Troy Brower! How about that one? Hoover's away without harm, but they turn it over. Versteeg turns it in with Ladd. Holding. Shooting one. He
1: scores! Keith is gone. They're slashing Demetra. Broken up. Short-handed. Boland gets away. Dave Boland a short-handed chance. He scores! Dave Boland with another short-handed goal for Chicago. Their third in the playoffs. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Dropping the Gloves. John and Tim here, as usual. Tim, how are you, my friend?
3: We're doing good. Episode two. Very, very exciting.
1: I think so. The first one went went over like gangbusters. People loved it. I got so many messages, so many emails and texts and DMs and tweets and this and that. This is the hit. This is the hit. This is the best Best miniseries ever, ever produced, ever made. I'm serious. I'm not even kidding. Like, it's really, really cool how this is going over. And I'm not being – I might be a little biased. This is my favorite episode. This is my favorite one, Tim. You want to know why? Why? Because I, I despise the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> and when I was playing with the Chicago Blackhawks, the games that we played against the, against the Canucks were so intense. We played them in the playoffs, and I tell you what, it was – Just electric going into that building and this the production that they put on and the amount of hatred that the Canucks have for the Hawks. It's real. The players hate the Hawks. The fans hate the Hawks. And guess what? The Hawks hate the Canucks. And it's sad that that rivalry is gone because, man, in 2010, it was on. It was real. The players did not like each other. When they slashed each other, it wasn't like a courtesy slash to let them know you're there. You were trying to break his foot. If you slashed him on the hand, you were trying to break his hand. I talked to many of these guys after this series. I signed with the Hawks right after this year. And they were like, oh, we hate these guys. If you get a chance, line up Alex Edler and take his head off, please. Because he just cross-checked us in the back so many times and, like, broke our back. I remember Rafi Torres, he's like, if you get a chance, grab him and bury him. I won't say who, but someone said, if you grab Rafi Torres and take him behind the woodshed, and show them what's what. I'll pay your fine. I don't care what it is. I'll pay your fine. There's a player on the Hawks. And I was like, done. And so anytime I played the Hawks, I would go after Rafi Torres. That, that's, and it's just – that's the kind of hatred that was there. Whereas if I would have got a 20 grand fine, my guy would have been like, fine, I'll write you a check. Not a big deal. I got you. And I'll cover your salary if you get suspended. That was like the, the real hatred between these two two teams. It was that real. And so we're rolling into this playoff series. The Hawks – just dispatch the Predators four to two a very 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 iffy series for them if, if you want a first round series you just want it to go smoothly kind of work out the kinks you know getting the get in the groove maybe four to one lose one game maybe get you nervous you don't want to lose two games especially at home like that that makes you nervous so coming into this Canucks series I don't know if they're too too confident you know, their goaltending was shaky at times versus the Predators, so they're still feeling things out. So, first game they're going in, you, you figure they're going to be jacked up again, just like the Nashville series. This is it. They're not going to have another letdown.
3: Right, Tim? I would think so. I would think so, but that's not what happened.
1: Well, before we get to that, let's, let's talk to the guy who was arguably the biggest reason they won this series. He hounded their top players throughout the series. If you look at the stats over this series, what would you expect Hendrick Sedin and Daniel Sedin to get in a six-game series? And, yeah. Mind you, they were two high-octane players throughout the season. Henrik Sedin won the MVP this year. So what would, what would you predict him to get in a six-game series versus anybody?
3: I would think the Sedins would probably each put up a point per game. At
1: least a point per game. He was getting two points per game almost in the year. I think he got 120 points that year. So Henrik gets six points and Daniel gets four points. They're a combined wow. minus six. So when you look at those stats, you go, hmm, I wonder what was the, what was the reason for that? Was it just bad luck? What, what, what was going on? No, the reason is Dave Bowen, the man we're going to talk to next. His sole purpose in this series was to make sure these guys didn't score. And it's, This is a fascinating interview. I know he's talked about them before. He's called them the sisters. I didn't want to get into that, go down that road. I wanted to get into his game plan, what he wanted to do, how he was going to game plan versus these two guys. They're best friends. They've slept next to each other their whole life. Like they know what each other's thinking before he thinks it. How is he going to get in their heads and try to, you know, win the series and get them off their game? So anyways, all that being said, let's get to Bowley and let him explain it because I'm not doing it justice. So, anyways, Dave Boland, here we go. And
2: here is a steal, a breakaway, and, and goal! Boland!
1: Well, now we're talking to Dave Boland, number 36 of the Chicago Blackhawks, one of the key players in that 2010 Cup run. So, Dave, tell, tell me about yourself. Where'd you grow up? How'd you first get into hockey? Let's, let's just get a little backstory first.
0: Yeah, yeah. so I grew up in uh, Toronto, Ontario. Well, Mimico, but uh, it's just a little a little community inside Toronto. So I probably started playing hockey when I was five, six, maybe five, six years old. My older brother was playing, and um, actually my parents immigrated over to Scotland, so they didn't really know what hockey was. So my uncle kind of got us into it. Um, I saw my brother playing, and I said I wanted to play, so uh they bought me some gear, and uh, from there on, it was the uh, hockey career. So, do you have Scottish citizenship? No, I don't. I can, I could get it, but uh, I don't have it.
1: That's cool. <laughs> you could like do the. I, I just watched the Jamaican bobsled team. You could do that, but with Scotland, that'd be so cool.
0: Yeah, it would be cool. I don't know about what? bobsledding, but
1: it's something else. I don't know hockey.
0: I don't know. But soccer.
1: When you you like soccer?
0: No, I, I don't. I don't mind soccer. Soccer's you were ter- cool.
1: You were terrible at two-touch, though, which makes me question your I, soccer
0: skills. I don't, I don't. I never played. I never got in those two-touch games. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so when you were growing up, what kind of player were you? Was <clears throat> same uh, as you were in the show or different? No,
0: I was more of a, uh, I was more of a goal scorer. I was putting up points. So uh, <clears throat> in Bantam, I think I put up like 165 points or 60 Holy points. Moly. And then uh, went to junior. Uh, My first year, I didn't really play that much. I was still trying to learn the game. So I was under the wings of Dale and Mark Hunter. Uh, They taught me how to play defense. I didn't know either. I didn't know a lick of defense when I uh, came to the OHL. So um, I had to learn. I had to prepare myself for the NHL. Um, But learning in that process, uh, that first year in junior, I think I played 70 games. I had 17 points. So it was a little bit of a kicking the balls being like oh I just had so many points now I come to the OHL and geez this is how my career is gonna go now but uh they helped me along the way and they helped me with my game and I like I thank them every day for for doing that but uh the next year I came in was my draft year I had about 70 or 80 points oh wow uh kept on building had about 99 points the year after and then my last year in junior, I had 135. Uh, so yeah, so it was a, it was a little bit of a jump when I went to the O from the OHL to minor league to NHL. I was kind of like, ah, well, maybe I can keep this rolling and uh, and and keep scoring goals. But uh, things changed. Uh, I went to the minors. Uh, well, I got called up for my first game in NHL about 2007. Uh, what a what a difference that was! Um, just the the change and the speed and the the, the like when when we got into the league, it was men. Like,
2: yeah,
0: like you remember, like these these guys were men. Like, I remember playing against Mario LaPointe. and like these guys were all over thirty five, and they were they were big human beings. And I, I think I came in the league about buck sixty. Um, so I could so I, so I came in the league and kind of thought I'd just keep the goals rolling, the points rolling, and everything going. But uh, I had to change my game up. Uh, my defense was still kind of eerie. I was still working on it. Um, but that first year with Q, uh, Q kind of put me in that role of that third line center. Uh, and I took it and ran with it. So, uh, I thank Q as well for, for helping with that.
1: And you put up 47 points that year. That's like not a defensive forward numbers. Like that's some pretty good numbers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that first year I did, I I was on pretty good pace for some points that year. Yeah. 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 For sure. Who were you playing with
3: that year? Yeah. Uh,
0: I think it was in O's my first, I think it was Laddie and Havlat, Martin Havlat and Laddie. So, uh, <laughs> nice. and I think Buff would, and Big Buff would, uh, would fill in too, but we kind of uh, took that role and uh, we played against Datsuk and the Sedin twins and everybody. So, uh, like, it, it was a fun role. I liked it because most time all these good players, uh, they don't really want to play defense. They're looking for the goals. So, they'd, they'd make some mistakes and we'd capitalize on them.
1: Well, Ladd is a pretty good defensive guy too. Have Lad not yeah. so much, but you guys—that would have been a good third line. Holy moly! Yeah, yeah. So, you were in the playoff series the year before when you guys got beat up by Detroit. Could you sense that you guys were like super, super close to the cup? What was the vibe in that room after that loss?
0: Oh yeah, we were. We, we knew we 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 were right there. Um, that loss to Detroit was. It was, actually, it was actually pretty good for us, how I feel, what I think, because it kind of taught us. I was like, well, we have a chance here. We can, we can make it. Uh, we, can, we can get there. We have the skill. We have the team. Uh, we just need a little boost. And that's when uh, Hose and Kopi came in. And then we had uh, uh, Niemi and uh, Chris come in. Uh, so we had that. We, 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 we had it, but we were just missing a little bit. And uh, I think Hose and a few of the other players that came in put us over that edge to, to go for it.
1: Yeah. So let's fast forward to the playoffs. I we, I, we wanted to focus on the Hawks series. Cause I think that's, you had a tremendous playoffs throughout, but I think you really showed the type of two way player you were in that series where you can shut down top guys, but you also put up points. Yeah, Like you got just, sure. as, just as many points as the Sadines did. And everyone just kind of pigeonhole you as this guy, like, Oh, he's a shutdown guy. But then when you look at the stats, it's like, wait a minute, he had five points. He was, he was plus two that series. Like what? going into that series did you know you're going to be matched up versus them does q pull you aside yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. and do you remember when we did those like the pre yeah the pre-round um the pre-round kind of uh pick a player q would give us that player and we would uh we would do a little little thing on them and say hey like we'd give them the well i had one of the cdn twins so i'd Give him hey he's a top forward these deserves points size weight like some guys would make some jokes and it was always fun but um but q always knew like I always knew q and q knew me he's like hey be up against him hey you better be ready for it uh, if you're not then it's gonna be a, uh it's gonna be a long game so I always I always got up for it and I think as myself I got up for it because hey like that's a that's a huge a huge thing to do and a huge accomplishment hey if I can if I can take down a Joe Thornton or a or Jeff Carter or the Sidney Twins, hey, that's that gives our team a chance to uh, to win the game.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. So I think that year Henrik, I think he won the MVP that year, the whole league. I think he got the Hart Trophy.
0: Yeah, he had. They, I think they had over like a hundred points, right?
1: Yeah, he had like hundred and twenty that year. I think. <laughs> and you're you're lining up against him versus every faceoff. Do you like how locked in are you? Day one, game one, drop of the puck, or you're like, I'm going to get inside this guy's head. What do you do to kind of get in his kitchen?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think just little things like sticking them around the legs, maybe tight to the groin. Uh, I, 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 I think just always being in their face. Uh, I think when someone's in your personal space, space and someone's always around it, you're going to lose it eventually, right? Like I, I'd be the same way if – Someone was always in my face I would uh, I, I would I, I would lose it too but uh, every chance I had to get in, in between them or stick them or slosh them or do something stupid um, <laughs> would, uh, would would uh, would be fun but I think, I think and to a point they just got sick of me as well like they just had like I remember one time they they both tried to jump me and I had both of them so it's pretty <laughs> funny.
1: <laughs> Could you tell as a series wore on? That you were getting to them. Would they say stuff to you, or would they just like? Could you tell no. like, from game one to game six?
0: No, like I, I knew, I, I knew I was going to get to them, but by the end of those series, I was—I I knew which one was which. Like uh, <laughs> normally with twins, you can't tell which ones are which. But I have uh, identical I, twins.
1: I, I see them every day, and I still can't tell them <laughs> from day to day. It's funny that you know them that well.
0: <laughs> but um, but like it, it was just one of those like I before the game, like, I would, I'd be ready for it, uh, and I knew, I knew once I went after them that, hey, like, Burroughs and, uh, and Kessler, and I just know, like, th- their whole team would be going after us, like, and they'd be going after me, and that was probably the, the, the funny thing about it is that, uh, that Vigneault would get them all rattled up and would get them all going, and I'd pop in there, and I'd stick one of them, and then Burroughs would come and cross-check me in the back, and Boom! We got a two-minute penalty. They have a two-minute penalty, and we capitalize on most of them. If you, if you go back in most of those series, like they took some dumb penalties on us, and we had or Kane, or Soup, Seeds, Dunks. Like we had an unbelievable PP that. Hey, we knew that if we get a PP on these guys, we're going to capitalize.
1: I know. I saw that dressed Tanner Glass, for one game. I wonder if he does. He took five shifts. I'm guessing he tried to get you to fight all five of those shifts.
0: Oh. It's just, it's it was always funny. Like I remember one game, he, he asked me like ten times. I'm like I'm like you're gonna I'm like you're gonna beat me up. Why would I fight you? Like like I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. Like like I know what you're gonna do to me. And they, but they, they would just keep on sticking me. And then hey, they take a penalty and we capitalize. And I think that was that was one of the uh, the major points.
1: So what was the vibe like? Because you lost game one. Was there any panic in your guys's game? Because they say smoked you the first game five to one
0: they were tough that year they weren't easy like we weren't uh we weren't rolling over them uh like they had a great team they had Kessler they had the Sedins they had BS, BX uh, they had and they had Lou and that like they had a they had a, a really good team uh like they, they were besides Nashville they were I think they were our, oh yeah yeah like they, they had a really good team but uh next to our Nashville series like they were they were our next big series that hey we had to go through them
1: so what? how fun was it? Like, what's the vibe in the room, knowing that after you beat them in game two, you know you got the Sedins in lockdown. Is it just cruise control, or is it like, we know what we have to do, let's go out and do it, and let's bury these guys?
0: Oh, well, it's not like, okay, hey, like, this is easy, like, we have this. Like, we have, we, like, every Vancouver game, we got up for them. Like, we – playing Minnesota, nah, okay, like, let's get up for it. But every game, we got up for playing Vancouver and – I bet you it was the same with them, like they 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 knew when we were when we all when we got together and we played it was going to be a bloodbath, and we hated each other and it, it was it was just a different game from other games that we would have, um, but uh it wasn't cruise control uh we knew we had a lot of work to do, and it wasn't going to be easy uh going into vancouver's barn uh that's not an easy place to play either, uh probably likewise coming into our barn uh, yeah nice it's not easy so uh but it, it was like, I don't think you'll ever see a rivalry like that again.
1: No, that, I got to be a part of that um, the next year. And it was crazy. It was super right? intense. I loved it.
0: It was like, so it, great. Like, like, how fun was it going into those buildings when you see all those fans with those signs up and they hated us, right?
1: I remember I was walking around Vancouver one, one afternoon, the day before game seven, and I was walking. You might have even been with me. I can't remember who was with me, but some old yeah. lady drove by us, honked her horn and she flipped us off. Some like oh, 70 yeah. year old lady flipped oh, us yeah. the bird and we were like, wow, like this is, she. Oh, were,
0: were, 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 were we on the team when I chirped them? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Oh, oh it's yeah. Just, like I remember, I remember, go, I remember going in there and like, I remember, uh, uh, yeah, I remember Brian being like, maybe you should just stay in tonight. Like don't go <laughs> out for dinner. Like just, <laughs> just hey, order room service and, uh, and, and, I don't think it's a good idea. And I remember going out, people throwing rocks at me. Like, oh yeah. No way. That's so oh funny. yeah. Oh, well, you yeah.
1: wore your,
3: you wore your jersey. That was a mistake. You should have made yeah. me-
0: <laughs> it. It could have been the face. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: so Dave, like how, how much uh, does your preparation change for like, for each individual player that you're matched up to shut down against? Like, are, are you preparing for Henrik Sedin differently than Joe Thornton or Jeff Carter? Or is it kind of the same formula every time?
0: Uh, it's kind of the same formula every time. Like, just trying to, to get at them uh same as like Joe I know I knew whenever I go went against Joe like he was there was some times that he almost kicked the out of me uh a <laughs> few times I remember I remember one game it was like Chloe and him and they were losing it on me and I one of them was trying to grab me and I hit around one ref and then hit around another ref I'm like these two are gonna kill me I better get out of the way but um but uh whenever I went up against the top line, like I, I always prepared the same. I knew, Hey, like this is, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's going to be on. I got to be on. I got to be ready. Um, but uh, I kind of prepared the same for, for any matchup with any top player.
3: And you did have 12 pims in that series. How did, how did that happen? Who me? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, oh, I, I still, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a saint out there. So I bet you there was a few slashing calls and a few, uh, a few roughing calls behind the, uh, behind the referees but uh it comes with it It comes kind of comes with the territory i can't uh, i can't stay squeaky clean but uh yeah but uh (laughs) there was a few times
1: so this series i think you really before this everyone knew you were a decent player i think you really cemented your reputation as being a shutdown guy and a guy who can throw points up does it annoy you when people just look at you and say oh dave bull he's a pest or dave bull he gets in people's head like does it annoy you because you do put up good points and you're like you're such a well-rounded player?
0: No, I, I, it doesn't bother me. I don't. Uh, I don't really take a lot of that stuff to heart. I don't. I never really let it let it affect my game or affect me. Um, as long as we were winning and we were doing the right things and I was helping my team to win, uh, that's all that mattered in in my situation. Uh, if it was shutting guys down, if it was killing a penalty or taking a penalty or doing whatever to help my team, I was always, uh, I was up for anything.
1: You're such a team guy. I hated that when people would just call me, Oh, he's a goon. I was like, come on. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's more to me than just punching people in the face. <laughs> so in, in that series, I know it's hard to remember cause you've won so many Stanley cups and you're so successful. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any key moments that you remember? I know didn't dunks get his teeth knocked out or anything, uh, that you, any key moments that kind of switched the series?
0: Um I'm trying to think. There was that time when Dunks got uh when Dunks got his teeth knocked out against uh against uh, San Jose. That was a good one. Oh, was that San uh, Jose? Yeah, that was San Jose. That was the next series. That Six. was the next series. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm trying to think in the Vancouver one. I I, I don't think there's anything that really that really pops up, but it was just a great series. Like I just remember games, like after winning fans throwing beers at us, like it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. Like people throwing beers, fans throwing hot dogs. It, it was, it was fun. Like it was just a great atmosphere and a great, what's
1: that? Hot dogs. That's yeah.
0: So <laughs> I I what, was the ho- what
1: was the hotel? Like, did you like, could you go out? Oh no. Or you were
0: no. locked in. Oh, we were locked down. Like they were, they, they told us not to go out. Like, they were like, don't go out. Like, no point going out. Because, like, the fans – like, you know how Vancouver is. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Like, and every fan is a fan there, right? Like, there's there's uh, – they're everywhere. But, like, most of – it was pretty funny sometimes whenever we did go there. Like, not in a, in a playoff game, but in a normal game. And we'd go up to, like, the Roxy and that and have some drinks. And yeah, their fans were, were great as well. And some of them were, were awesome. They'd, they'd sit down and chat with us. But uh, But some of the other fans, they were crazy.
1: Well, you didn't really – make any friends during that series you obviously made that one comment and then you shut down their best players like I don't blame them for hating you like I, I would oh, sure. you too.
0: yeah
1: yeah 100% do you remember um when we were in Dallas when Sharpie was taking off his skate and he kicked it and he slit your wrist and you started no. to bleed all over me you no remember? that
0: was San that was San Jose
1: that was San Jose I thought it was Dallas
0: you remember you that remember? I still got the scar.
1: And I still have the blood all over me. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, how could I forget? I tell that story every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, Sharpie <laughs> was, Sharpie was whining. Cause he didn't get any points <laughs> and, and we won five to one. And then he kicks his skate off, almost slits my throat. Oh yeah. It's wrist. I was like, Holy. Almost
0: to, it almost took my, uh, my tendon off or my ankle where my, uh, where my wrist was. Remember that? And then I'm yeah. like, Oh, come on. There's blood everywhere.
1: <laughs> you would have died. Imagine if you would have died. Oh
0: no, that's great. He obviously didn't. (laughs) No, I was still kicking. When you look back, you mentioned how
1: Q kind of pulled you aside. How much was he a factor? You you mentioned the hunters too. How much was Q a factor in your NHL career, like getting you kind of to where you needed to be?
0: Oh, Q was was a huge factor. I could have, I could have, I could have kept my mindset on scoring goals and trying to put up big points and trying to be that goal scorer that I was not junior, and I could have sat in the minors for few more years and hey like I could have I don't know how my career would have went and but uh but Q kind of rolled me into that that third line guy and said hey if you want to make a career out of this this is a great you're great at it um run with it and uh you'll be you'll be playing big minutes every night and uh just be ready for it and I kind of relished it and then I, I kind of took took that and ran with it so I, I thank Q a lot for uh for what he did and and for helping me uh, get to where I was as an NHL player.
1: Was it a little bit of a hit to the ego or were you like, t- was there a time when you were like, man, I wish I was out there on the power play. Like, cause you were a stud and now yeah. you kind of had to swallow that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was times that Q would throw me out there and I'd get, I'd get a few chances. Uh, sometimes I'd capitalize. Sometimes I didn't. Uh, uh, but uh, it didn't really, to me, it didn't really knock me down. Uh, as long as I was in the NHL and we were winning and we were, Doing well—that's uh, all that I cared about. Uh, I wasn't really a guy that kind of sulked or kind of took things down. Um, I know during the 2013 Stanley Cup run, there I was on the fourth line with uh, with Fro and uh, and Kruger, and hey, that I, I wasn't playing well. I wasn't doing great. But I was still playing. Uh, but hey, like whatever I could do to help my team win was that—that all that mattered. Um, that's all that mattered in my books. Uh, so uh, it wasn't really an, an ego kick or a kicking the balls or anything. Uh, no. As long as I was still, as long as I, as long as I was still on the ice and playing, hey, I was happy with that. Have
1: you ever ran into uh, the Sedin's or anybody from Vancouver on that team?
3: Since no, then? I never.
0: I, I, I never really have. I'm trying to think. But like John like uh, like Johnson came over. Remember uh, Ryan Johnson, he came over. Oh, yes. Remember yeah. RJ? And he would tell I remember he'd telling us stories about like uh, he's like, Boy, he's like he's like, dude, he's like every game you get us rattled up and then Vignon would go back in the room and be like, fire we gotta kill these guys, blah, blah 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 like we gotta we gotta go after these guys and and then I'm like, Oh well that's where it kinda came from. I guess like Vignon would just get them going and they'd come out, take stupid penalties and we'd capitalize.
1: It's so funny if your coach, if you're getting in the coach's kitchen and he's just like not even focusing on the game plan, like how good are you, good were you at your job? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just remember Johnny talking about that being like, Hey, like you guys, you would get us riled up and then you guys would all get us riled up. And we would, he's like, we would just come out there and we would take dumb penalties and we would try and fight you guys, but we would kind of hold our ground and just be like, Hey, all right, well, why, why am I going to fight you and take a stupid penalty? I'd rather you take the penalty. We capitalize on the PP and we go home with a big win.
1: I know. And it's funny because like I said, I did talk to Q and he said you were the key to that series, which is big praise coming from him. Cause Taser had, I think 12, 13 points and Kaner yeah. was obviously getting points for him to say that you were the key to that series. That's, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. That's pretty cool hearing that from Q. Um, but uh, I think we all were like, we all had our jobs. We all had what we had to do. Uh, I think we all stuck to it. I know uh, Mads and I were on the PK, uh, we were shutting down. I know I put up some points on the PK during that series. Um, but uh, I think as a team, we all we all stuck to our grounds, and we, we knew what we had to do, uh, like Eager, Fraz, and Burr. Uh, they were kind of in that same role as me, but on the fourth line and starting and trying to create stuff. Um, we, we all knew our role, and I think we stuck to what we our game plan was, and that's how we won.
1: We'll be right back with more One Goal on Dropping the Gloves. This series is brought to you by Manscaped, the best grooming tool out there. They offer precision engineer tools for you. They have obsessed over their technology, their developments to provide you with the absolute best tools for your grooming. Now, you want to talk about grooming. I have a large body to groom. And when I say large, I mean from top to bottom. And this tool, I got it a few weeks back. It is a game changer. I used to have the old school that just you could hear from three towns over. It was so loud. This one is super quiet. It trims my ears, the insides, the outsides, the back. I have hair all over my ears. It gets my neck nice and clean, my shoulders, my chest. Like it is a game changer when it comes to cleaning yourself up. I I came out of the room the other day after cleaning myself up. My wife said, John, whoa, what's different? Like, hey, what what can I say? Manscaped. They hooked me up. Not only did I look good, but Manscaped In order for me to look good, they spent the last 18 months developing the perfect tool, and they named it the Lawn Mower 3.0. Let me tell you about this little tool. It has a ceramic blade to reduce cuts, which is huge. I I, I don't know about you, but every time I'm done grooming, I have little nicks and cuts all over my body. So just that in itself, you had me, you had me at hello. But in addition to that, they have a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes. When I'm on the road doing an event or when I played, I would be in the middle of shaving my beard and my buzzer would crap out. And I'd be like, what do I do? I don't have anything else. I don't have a charger. Like how, how do I get out of this situation? If I would have had a tool that lasts 90 minutes, I would have never had that issue. In addition to that, it's water resistant. You could bring it in the shower, get your hair nice and soft and malleable. It just cuts it right off. They have an LED light so you can see what you're doing. The motor is 7,000 RPMs. That's insane. That's like a motorbike. It has a cool little charging stand. You throw it on the countertop, it looks like a piece of art. Everyone's like, what is that thing? It's like, oh, it's my grooming tool. No big deal. All that. And then guess what? You don't even have to pay full price for this thing. If you go to manscaped.com today, you will not only get this great lawnmower 3.0 or whatever else you order. They have so much stuff on their website. You get 20% off and free shipping. Isn't that crazy? Now, you only get this if you use promo code JOHNSCOTT20. So go to manscaped.com enter promo code John Scott 20 and you get 20% off. You get free shipping. And as a little bonus, as a little carrot to dangle in front of you animals, because I know you like more and more and more. The first 25 people who use promo code John Scott, I will personally send you an autographed picture, maybe a hat or a shirt, something cool to kind of spice up this deal a little bit more. If it are, if it already wasn't hot enough, I'm going to add a little cayenne pepper in for you. But in order to get that deal, you yeah, to, you have to enter promo code johnscott20 and send me the receipt either dm me or email me or use my website just get it to me somehow with proof and the first 25 people that do that i will personally send you something myself i will write you a little thank you card because this is how much i believe in this product it's so cool so let me wrap this up you go to manscaped.com you order something you use promo code johnscott20 you get 20 percent off your whole order you get free shipping when you're done with that, you shoot me the receipt that says you use my promo code, I will personally send you something. Miss myself, me, John Scott. You just give me your address, give me the receipt, and I'll send it wherever you are in the whole world. That's a guarantee. The first 25 people. So do it quick because I guarantee you after this episode, there will be hundreds of people trying to get this little gifty poo and this lawnmower 3.0. So anyways, go to manscaped.com and use promo code JOHNSCOTT20 to get yourself a sweet little gift. Cheers, everybody. It's so cool to hear his insight on all of that stuff because you don't think of Dave Boland as this really cerebral, smart, smart type player. You see him on the ice just yapping his gums and being annoying, but the guy had a method to his madness where he would go out there and he would, he had a plan and he would execute it. And he executed this plan perfectly. If you were to watch this series, you would see the Sadines just losing their minds. Like he was, he was in their heads. And it was plain to see. You, you don't see guys like that losing their cool. Like Daniel Sedin, he took four penalties. Henrik Sedin took two penalties. These guys in an 82-game season maybe take five penalties. To get them to take those type of minors, the slashing, the hookings, this and that, like that's when you know you're in their heads and they're just not focusing on their game. So that, that was interesting. So now we're going to transition to the architect. Coach Q, my man, Mr. Longtie, Mr. Mustache, the coach with the most on the let's the Canuck series. Listen, if you're a coach game planning for this series, there's really only two guys who make you nervous. Obviously, they have a stack team. They have Burroughs, they have Wellwood, Samuelson, Ryan Kessler, Mason Raymond, all of these guys, Mikel Grabner was a burner, Pavel Demetra. Like they have some talent on this team. But when you're Lining up against the Vancouver Canucks in 2010, the only two guys that you care about are number 33 and number 22, Henrik and Daniel. So let's check in with Q and let him break down how he's going to counteract these two guys and how he's going to put some goals in the net and points on the board because their defense is no slouch. They got Bieksa, they have Erihoff, they have Alexander Edler, Sammy Salo, Shane O'Brien, Andrew Alberts. Like these are not – your run-of-the-mill Joe Schmoe defenseman. These are six solid defensemen who know how to move the puck and play the body. So, with the, listen, I, I'm just belaboring the issue. Let's get to Q and let him break it down better than I am. Q, what's up? Yeah, so you dispatched the Preds, four games of two. The next round, you're going up against the Vancouver Canucks unbelievable rivalry you beat them last year I think in the, the conference not the finals semifinals maybe they have a different team than Nashville they're loaded up front with the Sadines. they got Burroughs they have Samuelson all those guys Kessler Mason Raymond how do you prepare I know I'm harping on the prepare do you tell your team we got to play this team a little bit different they're a more high-powered offense team you know pull back a little bit or do you just continue to play the same way I
4: think we may make, uh, every team, you try to make an awareness. Uh, sometimes matchups are are, uh, we'll be a little bit more sticking on, worrying about uh, matching up a certain line or situation. Uh, I know when we played uh, played Vancouver, you know, we'd always play bullies, uh, line against them as best we can against the Sedins. Um, you know, they'd always give us bits. Uh, they're going to find a way to score. They're going to, I think, maintain or containing them is best you can and keep them, uh, you know, not getting those three or four or five point nights that they, they're able to do. And they did a lot of it against us in the regular seasons. Uh, so it was uh, something that we'd always pay attention to that group more than anything. Um, but they, they they, were deep. They had a very uh, balanced team as well, Lou in the net. Uh, you know, they had some really, that was a really good hockey team and really balanced and really deep. So we, we had to play the right way we needed our four lines to go. But we always try to make sure that uh, we we got to make sure who's on the ice, uh, particularly with the
1: Cedis. So you, lo- you got blown out the first game. You lost 5-1. And then you st- stuck 7-D in there. I, w- I was always wondering why coaches did that. Why did you throw Henry in there, and then you went with 7-D the rest of the series? I don't know. <laughs> that is so I, don't, I, I don't know
4: what uh, why we did it I honestly got i think back I mean you, know, you scoop me on that one and I'm <laughs> there thinking you know. I'm sure there was a reason why whether maybe one of the D we're uh, playing hurt or we're uh, trying to uh, but one thing with, when we do go 7D the one reason probably was we can always play Caner on two lines and, oh, okay. uh, and then Kaner uh, keeps uh, the other team occupied a lot of times with their matching on the back end. And all of a sudden Kaner's going, you know, every second line. And then you got uh, sometimes you go only a three-line rotation and sometimes Kaner goes with Johnny. Um, but I think that was one way they could, it, it could keep uh, the, them guessing what, what uh, who's coming and uh, and certainly gives us a little bit more of a look. Uh, but I'm not sure if that was the reason at the time. But, uh yeah. I'm sure it, was, it had something to do with – you're always comfortable with Kaner playing every other shift. And I think Kaner is a uh, – you know, he, he was dynamite. Uh, yeah. Too.
3: So one player I want to ask you about, Coach, is Dustin Bufflin, who really had a renaissance during this, this cup run. I mean, he made a hat, hat-trick in game three against Vancouver. And for fans outside of Chicago, he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, did he surprise you, too, during that run? Or did you know how talented he was?
4: Uh, we love Buff. Uh, in a lot of ways I thought he was a, uh, I think he was a great forward he was a great defenseman um, and having the luxury of uh, maybe thinking on a need basis you know you can always put him uh, on the back end but putting him in, in front uh, I thought he was a great distraction uh, on our power play I thought he gave uh, Lou a, a lot of uh, you know over there's you know, preventing him to get out or challenging uh, as much as he would like. I, I thought he was a great screen. I thought he had some quick hands. He scored some huge goals. But I thought he was a great influence in, in our offense. And uh, I thought uh, Vancouver had a hard time trying to contain him and control him. Um, but Buff is one of those players that really has an impact on the game. He really is an influential player. Um, they're hard to find a big, talented, skilled guy like him. Um, I've always had an appreciation for what he brought to the team. I think he's one of those guys that uh, teammates love him. Um, Very cool, laid-back guy. Um, But uh, when the chips are down, you know, you love going to war with Buff.
3: Yeah, another player I want to ask about, too, is Dave Bolin. You mentioned matching him against the uh, the Canucks' top lines, but he also put up five points in this series. Like, how important are guys like him in, in in a long playoff run?
4: Well, one thing about boley i mean he can check and he can play against good players and you're comfortable out there he's he's can be pesty but he's got some skill and make plays and it's a uh you know he scored some timely goals and in, in uh in that series or timely plays um but offensively he can make plays and if you know all of a sudden you're out there against offensively guys there defensively sometimes they uh you know they don't pay attention to as much detail as some players do and i think boley uh was pretty effective on, on not just uh, shutting guys down, but he could uh, take advantage and, and make plays and, and uh, uh, had some skill offensively.
1: Oh, I love Coach Q's voice. Doesn't he have one of those voices? Like he'd be like, if listen, I don't want to offend you, Tim. But if Coach Q ever retired or got fired or just didn't want to coach anymore and he wanted to jump into the podcasting world, You'd be out, my friend. I, I would replace you with him you know, just because of his voice. He wouldn't even have to talk hockey. All he would have to do is just talk, and I'd be like, ugh. I'd melt in my seat because he's just got one of those voices. Sorry, Tim. I'm sorry.
3: No, I get it. I get it. I can't say I disagree.
1: I know. But another good interview with him. It, it's cool to see how his confidence with the team kind of grows through each series. He kind of gives them a little more rope. He doesn't um, expect them to do – like just the the player research stuff. He's like, well, okay – maybe we don't have to do as much this series. We'll let Berg kind of handle a little bit more and this and that. So it's interesting to kind of see him getting a little bit confidence with the guys moving forward. But yeah, obviously he, he did his job. He shut down the boys, the twins, and it was just, I don't know. He's just, he's just an amazing coach. It really, really is cool. So now let's, let's, let's move on to Jesse Rogers. It was interesting to see hear his takeaway from this series, the guy who stood out for him, obviously he's still concerned about Niemi because listen, when you, when you win a series four to two, but you're giving up in the first game, five goals, you're giving up two goals, you're giving up two goals, you're giving up four goals. You're giving up four goals. Like that's the red flags are there. Like if I'm the coaching staff, I'm still very, very, very nervous of my goaltending. When I'm giving up on average in a six game series, three and a half goals, that's not good. That's no bueno. So he touched on that. He also touched on a guy you don't really think of in the 2010 until the finals, big buff, big daddy. This is where I think he really started to put his imprint on this playoff run. He, he scored a couple goals and he got a hat trick one game, and he was really starting to lay the body. If you're a defenseman and you're going back for a puck and you see Dustin Bufflin Big number 33, freight train himself coming down the ice, 260, 270 pounds. After that first hit, I'm not going in the corner, man. I'm letting Buff Daddy go get that puck and feed it out to Taves or Kane in the slot. Like, that's just a reality of a human being. You were nervous to go back there. And you've seen the highlights on him. Like, Tim, have you ever seen a harder hit than him? Like, oh. him? Like he? he just obliterates guys it's crazy his hits oh oh it's just it's scary to see the power that he generates from that big body i mean but anyways, someone that
3: big shouldn't be able to move like that it's crazy
1: no he weighs the same as i do and he's way faster in the all-star game he was there when i was there i don't want to i don't want to take away from the hawk series and talk about it myself but i will in the all-star game i got to pick the guys who go in each event and they're like who do you want to go in the fastest skater and i said dustin bufflin you just wait and see. Once this guy gets ahead of steam, he absolutely flies. His zero to 50 isn't the fastest, but once he gets to up to speed, the guy is a burner. And, yeah, if he's forechecking on you, there's not a chance I'm going to go. I'm going I'm to pull up. I'm going to accidentally trip. I'm going to have a speed wobble. I'm going to tell my partner to go get the puck. Like I'm not going in the corner with Dustin Buffett. Not a chance in the world. So let's talk to Jesse. Let's get his insight, see what he has to say about the Canucks series. Jesse.
2: But, man, no matter what, they had fun. They really did. And they had personalities, charisma as a reporter. I mean, I, I could, I, I could I couldn't uh, I could turn and, and find a good interview that way. I could turn the other way and find a good interview. They were all over the place. Burrish was great. Bufflin was a guy I just loved. I really did. Um, he had a very matter-of-fact personality. And it really drove, like, the Vancouver Canucks crazy. It drove the Vancouver Canucks media crazy. Like, for some people, they wear it like Johnny Taves, right? Life and death almost for him. Dustin did not wear it, and that suited him well. It's not that he didn't care. Trust me. I mean, the guy was a a force. He, He would go into the corner and destroy someone. Had a great slap shot. Uh, but he had this kind of like, hey man, that's just you know, yeah, I play hockey, you know he could have been he could have been I don't know uh, uh uh water skiing it didn't it didn't matter to him, um, but that's what served him well, so I think of Bufflin and that personality, and he was loved in that locker room he really was, and um he was kind of the prankster, sometimes the butt of the joke, sometimes he would deliver it, sometimes he'd be unaware, you know those guys that are unaware, and you can have fun with them, so that's the guy that I remember most. And it was so sad and upsetting for fans more than anybody, but also reporters that they had to move on from him because of the salary cap after that season. It just, it's, it stunk. Um, so I, I, I feel like whenever I think of the 2010 Blackhawks, I actually think of Dustin Bufflin before anyone else.
3: Yeah. I mean, he really blossomed during that series. And, and for people outside of Boston, he kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like he was just this, this kind of unknown name, a depth defenseman that was just putting on highlight reel goals and, and, and just thundering people with hits as well.
2: Yeah, um, and I think, so, it t- you know, Joe Quinville, I mean, it always takes the right kind of coach sometimes. And I, I think Joe Quinville worked for him. Um, they probably butted heads a little bit. I don't know all the stories, but I could see if, you know, think about a player that's a little laissez-faire and, you know, these these hockey coaches, you know, they want you going. But when the game, when they dropped the puck, uh, uh, Bufflin was ready to go and he was a force. He was a force playing the power, playing the slot. Had an unbelievable shot from the point. You know, he could do it all, and and, uh, he did blossom that year.
1: All right, Jesse Rogers. Love that guy. Love that guy. Good insight. Good interview. Good stuff, as usual. All right, so we have dispatched the Vancouver Canucks, the disgusting Canucks that nobody likes. I actually like their logo. I will say that. The orca whale jumping through the sea. I think that's pretty cool. I like it. And listen, I like Vancouver as a city. Don't get me wrong. Some of the best sushi I've ever had in my whole life is in Vancouver. I think it's a beautiful city. But when you're talking rivalries, you don't want to like the team you're playing against. That's why I say I hate them because it's just when I think of the Canucks, I think of that great rivalry. So I don't want people in Vancouver writing in, oh, Vancouver's so great. I know it's great. I go there on vacation. It's fantastic. But in the terms of hockey, They're pieces of garbage. So I was super happy when the Canucks lost and Chicago beat them in game six, five to one on their home ice, which is so satisfying to win a series in the other team's barn. It is so great to see the visiting fans going home sad, especially when you're playing your biggest rival. So we're now we're moving on the Western conference finals. We've been here before Tim. We were here last year and we had a terrible outcome. And my, and people, I'm saying we, like me and Tim are on the team. I, I don't know why we weren't on that team, but it just feels like after doing this series that I, I was on that team. And so was Tim. Tim, do you feel that we get that kind of feeling?
3: Yeah, I'm totally invested in this series now. Like I was there and like I don't already know what happened.
1: So you just won the first two series. You've been there before. You did it last year. So now we're moving on to the Western Conference Finals. Detroit worked us over last year, four to one. We didn't play our best, but we learned a lot. It it kind of reminds me of back in the heyday of the Oilers when they were about to make their big run. Same kind of scenario. They played the New York Islanders. This time it was a Stanley Cup finals. So they played the Islanders in the finals, and the Islanders, I think, worked them over four straight. And there's a cool story of after the series, the Oilers were walking by the Islanders dressing room and they expected them to be like popping champagne bottles and going crazy and partying what they saw was very very eye-opening I I remember this story I don't know who told it to me maybe it was Messier or Gretzky I'm not name dropping but I, I talked to them about this specifically and they said what was really apparent was these guys weren't celebrating they were icing their knees they were icing their shoulders they were taking cold tubs sure they were popping bottles and having you know a beer here and there but they were hurt They were warriors. They were trying to recover from an epic playoff series that they had to battle through to win that Stanley cup. And before that, the Oilers thought they could just kind of fly through the playoff series and not do the dirty things that they needed to win that cup. And that was a big, big lesson learned to these Oilers. And I think that's what happened to the Hawks. They got worked over by the, by the Red Wings in the Western conference finals last year. And I think something clicked in their heads. They're like, okay, listen, we're a good team but we need to do more. And sure, they got Hosa. Sure, they got John Madden. Sure, they were, you know, more talented, but they were more experienced. They were willing to do the dirty things. We saw Keith get his teeth knocked out and continue to play. We saw, like, we talked to all these guys. They said, this guy was playing on one leg during this series. This guy blocked a shot and broke his hand. Like, you needed to do those sorts of things in order to succeed. And I think they learned that the year prior and brought that into this year's Western Conference Final. So with that being said, I don't want to spoil the episode, but it's just such a cool mindset for them going into this Western Conference final. So anyways, please tune in next time. I hope you're enjoying these series. We are definitely enjoying making them. It's so fun to go back and talk to these guys and kind of recap everything and relive that great moment they had in 2010. So anyways, hope everyone's doing well, staying safe. All right, everybody. See you later. Cheers.